0: I want to look today in the kingdom of God, in his word, about who we are and what we are and what is our purpose. Because we do have a purpose. Our life should be purpose driven. Our life should not be just haphazard. We don't just make on the fly decisions. We should, everything we do should be purpose driven. But for us to know what our purpose is, we have to know who we are. And a lot of times, when we start looking at things, even when when we're young, we start looking, we have dreams, we have ideas about what we want to be. And those are great. But we cannot forget what we are called to be. And even as we get older, you know, our lives change. Everything changes on us, always. But we do have one thing that is stable. You know, the Lord is stable, and what He's called us to be is stable. So let's uh, when we look at this, over in John chapter 15, we'll look at what Christ is, says about us. And he tells us in chapter 15, verse 14, he says, You're my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. So he's calling us friends. So when we start looking, you know, a lot of times, When we're going through life, things don't happen the way we want to. We start feeling like we're useless or we're we're not good enough. You know, and a lot of times the world tells us we're not good enough. They tell us that we're different, which I'm proud of. I'm glad I'm different (laughs) than the world. But, you know, Christ says, you're my friends. You're following. When you do what I command you. And what's his commandments It's to abide in him and to love one another. And that's that mercy that we've heard about. We need to have mercy upon one another. We're not all going to agree about things, but we need to have that mercy. Because we do agree on the things of Christ. But he tells us we're his friends. And that's a great thing to be a friend of Christ. (laughs) That is wonderful. But we can also look at some other places here. And we're called to be more than just friends. Friends. Look over in, uh, we'll, we'll now we'll flip over to Revelations chapter 5. And in this chapter here, we can learn a lot about what we are. And look at verse 10. He says, and there. So, what he's talking about in this chapter is, is Christ is worthy to open the book with the seals on it. He's worthy to open that. So, he is the one that is worthy. And because he's worthy, it says, and has made us unto our God. He's made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Have you ever thought about yourself as a king or a priest? (laughs) So when we look at that and we think about ourselves as kings and priests, what is the job of a king? Usually they're reigning over a kingdom, aren't they? So what is our kingdom? You know what your kingdom is? It's your body. It's your body. You're a king. What does that mean? That means we've been given power by Christ over our bodies. What is that power for? It's to overcome sin. And so what is the main job of a priest? A priest offers sacrifice. Not only have we been given power over our bodies to change because we, we, we have the flesh by nature. Christ says, I've given you power over your bodies to reign in your members. And now I've also made you priests so that you can sacrifice unto God. We can make sacrifices unto God the Father in heaven. And not only are they made to him, you know, he accepts them. And, you know, a lot of times we'll say, well, what sacrifice did we make? Well, you know, we made a great sacrifice yesterday. We made a sacrifice today because what did we do? We didn't follow our nature. We acted as the role of king and we said, you know, I'm going to the church and I'm going to worship my God. And then we sacrificed because we showed up and we took our place. So we are called to be the kings and priests and we're to reign on this earth. And it's time for us to stand up and take that role. We need to step into that role because we are very valuable. You ever thought about that? You know, if I came in here and I started asking y'all, well, how valuable are you? Most of you would probably tell me it's none of my business. But you know how valuable you are? Can you put a value on the blood of Christ? That's what your value is because that's what you were bought with. There is no value on us. We are, we, we, we have the that's the greatest value. There's nothing this world could afford. We, we this world could not produce enough goods to, to, to amount to the value that we are. Because nothing in this world was good enough for God and amount to enough for God. It took Christ's blood, and that is what our value is set at, because that's what we were bought with. So if you ever think down on yourself, think about what you are really about. And you've been bought with that precious blood of Christ and there is no number you can put on that. There's no value. And when we start looking at who we are, what does that do? It starts giving us a purpose. When we figure out who we are, We're kings and we're priests. That gives us a purpose. But he also tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation. It's getting better when we look at this because not only are we friends of Christ, not only are we kings and priests, but we were chosen. He picked us. So it gets better as we look at it with God. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know, I've never thought about myself as being a royal priesthood. But we are. We're part of that royal priesthood. And if you research the priesthood in the Old Testament and see how wonderful that was and what the the great example of and, and the pointing to Christ that was. And now Christ is the high priest in heaven, and we're a part of the royal priesthood to bring sacrifice. So we were chosen, we're royal priesthood and holy nation. A lot of times it's hard for us in this life to think of ourselves as holy, but you know, in Christ we are. So we're a holy nation. A peculiar people. What is that peculiar there? That doesn't mean that we're weird. The best example I can say about peculiar is, if have you ever been to a Baptist, old Baptist funeral? You'll see people over here smiling, laughing. You'll see people crying. You'll see every emotion in between. Why is that? And we have those emotions. Why? Well, we're sad that we miss them, but we're happy that they finished their race and they see what it's about now. That's why we're peculiar. And just like this all the things that are going on in the world. When when we get ourselves out of sorts with it, and we all have, we've all had the emotions as we heard yesterday, all of us have, we know where to go to find our stability. That's why we're peculiar. We don't lose our vision of where we're going and what we're doing. We're peculiar because we don't just let the wind blow us any which way and everywhere. We're stable. And that's different than the world because whatever's popular, whatever's the most the, the greatest fad at the time is the way everybody in the world changes and switches and we're peculiar because we don't do that. <clears throat> And why did he do that? Why does he give us these things? Why are we made this way? And it's that we that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why he's done these great things, so that it can shine forth through us. Right now we live in a I consider it very unstable world and situations in this country. There's so many unstable things. But what is our job and what is our purpose? It's to stand up as the children of God. It's to stand up as His called children and shine forth that He's called us out of darkness into light. And you know that light brings stability with it. People are drawn to that light. And so, when we look at that, We start seeing that our God is so great to us. Not only did He choose us and He's going to take us home to live with Him forever, but He's given us purpose and reason for here and now. And we have a great purpose. And it is to be the kings over ourselves. We have to be kings. Read about the kings in the Old Testament. When you start reading about them, what does it say? This one followed the ways of the Lord. He, 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 He followed him. Or this one didn't follow the ways of the Lord. How do we want it to read when we're past and they write it for us? How do we want them to write about our kingdom? Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. But that means that we recognize when we mess up and we turn from it. That's the great thing about it. When we come to God to offer those praises and our kingdoms are not perfect, we can bring all of our shame, all of our disappointments, all of our doubts, we can bring that to Him and lay it at Him. And that is such a wonderful thing when we start looking at it. So now let's look over um, and let's look at this about our purpose-driven life because we want to have it Driven for a purpose. We want a purpose in our life. We don't want to just live just any way and just with the wind. So I want to look at that a little bit over in uh, Romans chapter 6. And let's start with verse 8. And it says, now, if we be dead with Christ. So if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So we want to be dead with Christ. What does that mean? That means that we've we've had that experience. We want to come and we want to to, to to be die. We want to die with Him. That means we're going to be baptized in His likeness of death, and then we're going to raise again. And there is a change that takes place in us. There's a newness. It's a washing, and we're going to live with Him. And it says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Which is wonderful. He's conquered it. There's nothing left that Christ hasn't conquered. And he says, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now, look at this verse 11 and really pay attention to this. Verse 11 and 12. He says, likewise reckon. He's like, let's let's, let's pay attention to this and let's apply this to our lives. Ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That's you fulfilling the role of the king. To be dead Indeed, you know, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ our Lord, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So who is the king over you? (laughs) Are you taking control of yourself or is sin? Because you can't say, well, I'm just sitting by doing nothing. This is a kingdom. Somebody's ruling it. This kingdom is not idle. It's never idle. It's either being ruled by you or it's being ruled by sin. There is no in-between. This is not a neutral, neutral kingdom. <laughs> so let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So you're obeying it if it's raining. <clears throat> and then it goes on and Tells you, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. He says, but, when God, when, when He instructed these men to, to write this, and He says, but, that means that there's something better. There's another way. There's an option here. And we need to follow this option. <laughs> yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. But we need to act like we're alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness of God. For sin shall not. Do you love when God, when, when they put shall in the Bible, that means it is direct. It, there is no option, there's no maybes, there's no mites, it shall. And he says, it shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. So therefore, we have the power and the authority given from God to rule and reign and to overcome sin. We've been given that. But sadly, sometimes we take that crown off, that king, that robe, that that ring, you know, our insignia. Because you know when you do something, you're stamping your signature on it. You're putting it on there. Your seal is going on everything we do. Everything in our life that we do, we're sealing and putting our stamp on it. So he's saying that it shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law. The law condemned us under sin. Every one of us were condemned by the law, but he says, you're not under the law. You're under grace. Christ paid the debt of the law. He bought us. He paid that. And now we're under his grace. So now we have the power and authority to stand up and say no more. No more. And that is our purpose. Is to follow after the things of God. And what does he tell us? What is Jesus' last commandment he gave us? Is to love one another as I have loved you. And then as far as being a priest and making the sacrifice, look in Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verse 1 here. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And that beseech there means I'm inviting you, I'm calling you, I'm invoking this to you. By the mercies of God. And we don't have time today to go over the mercies of God in this and to to bring it all in. But the mercies of God basically is Christ has died for us and shed his blood for us and redeemed us to our God. That is the mercy of God. And God still is showing that mercy to us today. That mercy is still being shown to us. Do you know if we didn't have mercy, what would be the point in taking the prayer requests and praying to a God? We're praying to God to have mercy upon us. We're asking God to spare us from something or to help us from something. That is the mercy. And that mercy just flows over in our lives daily. And he says, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, it wouldn't be too hard if it stopped there, would it? We we've, we've presented our bodies a living sacrifice this morning. We got up. You know, Brother Tim said he was tired and he loved that feeling. We're here. We overcame that. You know what else we overcame? We've overcame the fear that this world has placed in us to stay away. Even if you are listening, you overcame it. You didn't stay at home. You came out here because you have a desire burning within you that you want to present yourself to God. And each one of us are at different phases in that. But isn't it wonderful that we can say this morning, I'm fulfilling my duty as a priest of the royal priesthood of God. And I'm presenting myself to you, God. All my weaknesses, all my deficiencies, all of that, I'm bringing it to you. And I'm still presenting what I have to you. He doesn't call us to fix ourselves before we present because we'll never fix ourselves. If we could fix ourselves, we could have saved ourselves to heaven. So he says, come as you are. And we come today and we're fulfilling that duty as a priest and presenting ourselves to our God. And that's so beautiful because our God just says, come. And when that Spirit's flowing through here and you can feel the presence of God Almighty with us, isn't it uplifting? Guess what? All of a sudden, I'm not thinking about the things of the world. I'm focused on my God. I'm focused on the purpose that He's called me to be. But he goes on and tells us that that sacrifice is holy. Uh-oh, Paul didn't cut any punches here, did He went straight to the fact. you got to present your body, but it has to be holy. How is your body going to be presented holy? Follow after Christ. You draw close to Christ and you follow Him, and guess what? You're presented in His holiness. You're presented in His holiness when you follow Him. What a brother, what a savior, (laughs) what a God that will allow us to present our weaknesses in his holiness. And so our sacrifices are holy, but they also have to be acceptable. So we have to be acceptable. How can you make something acceptable? First off, don't lie to yourself and make excuses for sin. Just stop lying to yourself and saying, well, it's not that bad. You know what? It's sin. It's bad. Right. So stop that and just say, you know what? I need to turn from it and I need to be acceptable unto my God. Right. And what does Paul say? It's acceptable unto God. We have to be present our bodies. They have to be holy and it has to be acceptable. And he says, which is your reasonable service. So how is it reasonable for us? To present a holy and acceptable to God. Because Christ has, been, has paid for us and he's given us the power to overcome sin. And when we overcome sin, can you imagine? And I'm getting sidetracked, but can you imagine how much glory it brings God when a sinner... Comes into his presence here to present himself and he just doesn't think about the sin. All he's thinking about is I want to be close to my God. For a God to draw sinners to him is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen with my eyes. And I've seen some great things all over this country. Beautiful sights. But the most amazing thing is when a group of sinners come together and say, you know what, I'm not worried about that sin. I want to come be to my God and I want to present to him and I want him to uh, help me overcome this and I want him to accept the sacrifice I'm bringing. That's one of the most amazing things we'll ever see. (laughs) And Paul goes on and tells us, and be not conformed to this world. So let's don't let this world change us. We've been called out of the world to be different. So let's don't go back to the world and let the world change us. Because we don't want to be conformed to the world. We were pulled out of the world by God. And now let's don't go back to the world. Now it's, it's our nature that's comfortable. You know, even we have the example of Peter. What happened? What was the last image Peter saw of Christ? When he denied him, he looked across that room and he saw Christ. And he ran out weeping. And then when Christ met him over there on the shore, Peter, but before Christ met with him, he said, I'm going fishing. He went back to what he knew. Let's don't do that. Let's don't go back to what we know. Because that was a dark, evil place. And that's what we don't want to do is go back to what we know. We want to come out of it. We don't want to go back to the world and be conformed to this world. But there's that word but again. That means here's the best option. This is the best alternative to it. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. How can we renew our minds? You want to know how to renew your mind? Read the Word. Come hear the message that God has for His people. Where do you find the? Where does God speak to His people in this in this world we live in? He speaks to them at church. God sends messages because I promise you, if God would not have pushed me into this, I would not be standing here before you today. I do not like it, and I. It's not something I desire to do as a natural man. Now, as a Christian and as a God called man, I do want to proclaim the name of Christ before his people. But this is not something that I would choose. But this is something that I said I can humble myself and follow my God. And we need to renew our minds. So we need to be, we need to read. But you know what we also need? We need to be in church. But you know what we also need? We need fellowship outside of church. That's just as important as meeting in the church. When we meet together. Among our like brothers and sisters. And you know what? Invite some people from the world. Let them come and see what it is that we have that's different. Let them see that light that's in us. But you don't want to go. And the only fellowship you have is in the world. You don't just want that because then you're going to be conformed to the world. You want to be transformed from it and you want to do it by the renewing of your mind. Oh, what a joy it is when we can come together and hang out, you know, fellowship, love one another. I mean, we, even if we just get together and watch football, wait, 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 that's a touchy subject, preacher. It is, but we can have mercy and love one another. We can still pick at one another. We can still, but that's fellowship, and we can still talk about the great things Christ has done for us since we've been together. Amen. There's nothing wrong with us getting together and having those good times like that. And it's by the renewing of your mind, and it's so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you renew your mind in that and you stay focused on God, then you know what the will of God is. You ever wonder, well, God don't talk to me. God don't tell me anything. He don't show me what. Is it God or is it us? Right. My, my, my understanding is that it's me. If I don't understand what God is, just like the brother told us, let's turn around and look at him. Let's see his face. Because <laughs> most of the time when we don't hear God, we're not looking at him and we're not seeking him. Right. So that's what we want to do is that's the purpose. We've been called to be kings and priests and we have a job to do. And we're of the royal priesthood. We're a peculiar people. We're chosen. And we're friends of Christ. And there's a couple of things. When we're of the family of God, which, which, you know, most everyone that I meet in church claims to be of the family of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. But How long would we last in our marriages and in our jobs if we treated them like our spiritual walk? It's just a question. How long would they last? Our spiritual walk is our number one. Our marriages and our jobs and anything else you want to put, I don't care how you prioritize it. If your spiritual walk with God is not number one, it doesn't matter how much you list under it, it's all going to be in chaos. So we have to put God at number one, and then we can start putting whatever we want to prioritize after that. Because when we're in tune with God, the other priorities fall in place that they're supposed to be in. And then we'll look in here because we're looking at you know our purpose driven life and we're looking at what we're supposed to do let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and this will be the, one of the this will be the last place that we look and we'll start with verse 24 and he says no man can serve two masters you can't serve two masters <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> That means we can't come to church on Sunday and we can't say that we're Christians and then run out to the world and act like the world. You can't do that. It's like trying to mix up oil and water. You know, you can have a bucket of water here and you can pour oil in it you can mix it up and it turns into this ugly looking stuff but guess what happens after it sits a while? Separate back out. (laughs) You can't mix up the world and you can't mix the world and God. That's why God... Chose us out of the world. That's why he pulled us out of it. So, because it says that you'll you'll either he'll he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then we're gonna look down to verse thirty-two, and it says. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And these other verses we skipped over is talking about every necessity we need to live life in this world. It's talking about our clothes, our houses, our jobs, our our finances, everything we need to sustain life. So it says that the Gentiles, well, you know what? I'm a Gentile. We're of the Gentiles. We're seeking after these things. It says, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. How often do we forget that God knows what we need? You ever thought, that? well, He created us. He knows what we need. He built us to have these needs. We have needs. We have to eat. We need water. We need uh, clothing. We need houses. He knows what we need. He created us. And then verse 33 says, But... Hey, here's the next, here, here's the best option. <laughs> we, we, we've read a lot about these, but this is the best option here. Seek ye first. So what happens when you're seeking something? That seek is actively pursuing. <clears throat> that means to actively pursue it. Everybody in here has probably played hide and go seek. You know, that seeker is actively pursuing. That's what he's telling us to do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Where's the best place to find the kingdom of God on this earth? It's right here. Amen. Right now. And, and when you go home, if you visit it, it's at the local church. You've got to find the kingdom of God on the, in this earth is here among His people. But we have to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Don't forget about His righteousness. And that's that righteousness of Christ. We have to seek out Christ. That means we have to follow in His example. That's just like today. After this service, we're visiting to get as close as we can to one of Christ's examples. We're visiting to walk in His footsteps. You remember when you're little and you're following your mother your father and you want to walk in their footsteps we're trying to fill them today we're going to walk in jesus's footsteps we're going to walk in those footsteps the same steps that he took we're going to take because he gave us this example and he says do it and we we'll, and that's as close as we can get to imitating christ And it says, when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does that mean? If we seek God first and we're focusing on God, He's going to add all the things we need. And I've never seen a child of God that's seeking God that's done without His needs. Now, I've done without my wants but I've never done without my needs. <laughs> so he says, take therefore no thought for the morrow. So you can't come up and say, oh, well, I'm just going to live a reckless life then. I don't have to even think about tomorrow. That's it's contrary to what God's saying. <laughs> what he's saying is, don't get so obsessed about tomorrow that you forget about today and you forget about serving God. What, is the, what, what are we thinking about tomorrow? Well, What's going to happen in our elections? What's going to happen on our Supreme Court? What's going to happen with our children, our jobs? If we get so caught up in that stuff, we forget about serving God now. So that's what he's talking about. Don't get so caught up in what's going to happen in the future because guess what? We may not have tomorrow, but don't live recklessly. We still have to have a purpose and a plan in our life But we don't need to get so caught up in that that we lose sight of today. Because if Christ returns, we don't don't have the tomorrow. But you have to be in tune with God to have that. (laughs) So he says, For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And that's what I'm talking about. We have enough evil happening today that we don't need to worry about the evils that's going to come upon us tomorrow. (laughs) And if you get worried about those evils, just pray to God. If it doesn't do anything else, it'll give you that peace. And and that's how we have peace is because when we step up and we're fulfilling the roles that we've called to be. We've been called to be the kings and priests of God in this earth. And when we are serving Him, we have peace. We're not out here overwhelmed with the anxiety of what's going to happen tomorrow now i have great concerns about this country i do don't get me wrong but i'm not so overtaken with it that i cannot serve my god today and i cannot and it doesn't obsess i'm not obsessed with it where i still don't pray for revival in this country i want the revival to come in this country as a whole The country's got to be judged for its sins. There's no question. God requires judgment for sins. We as His children, our sins have been paid for. But we're still chastened as children when we sin. And this country is going to be judged for their sins as a country. But we don't need to be so overwhelmed with it that we lose focus that we need to serve here and now. And that is what the, one of the beautiful things about our God is, is He's called us with a purpose. And He says, come. Come as you are. I don't require you to get perfect or better before you come. If you have that burden in you, come. <laughs> We're not a bunch of perfect Christians in the church. We're a bunch of sinners that's come together and said we want to be different than the world and we know we're sinners. We know we're not perfect, but we have a perfect Savior that has washed us. And so, all we did was take that leap of faith and we took that step and we came forward. And when you do, oh wow, when that kingdom's fully open to you, and you see that these, the, the people just love you, even in your sins. Now, they're going to, try to, they're going to teach you to do better. But they love you and they hold you. And our God does the same. So, thank you.